in a series called You Versus You, and what we've been talking about is this idea that you're going to meet yourself in five years, uh, and, uh, and what, whoever you see in the mirror uh, is going to look back at you and say, well, how did you do the last five years? Because you're going to be the one primarily responsible for who you are in five years, and that uh, uh, maybe that's not necessarily completely true. You might have some, some things that were out of your control, some people uh, who wounded you or whatever that's completely out of contr- your control. But for the most part, uh, the next five years is going to be you uh, versus you. And, um, and so what we've been talking about uh, comes from, uh, uh, there's three books if you want to read them. They're not necessarily Christian books, but um, The Power of Habit, Atomic Habits, and uh, The One Thing. And um, for those of you who are like me, how, how can you preach a sermon out of like secular books? I'll give you three that aren't secular. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is a, just a tremendous book. Completing Project Me, that's from our own uh, Bishop Thomas. And then a really old book, which I love, and it really uh, changed the way I view God, is The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. So you can um, uh, check those out as well. Do you have glasses, babe? I'm so sorry. Um, I'm like, for my first point, Zimvajula Kuna. Oh, there we go. No matter what you do, there will be a future you. This is what we've been, this is what we've been talking about. Thank you very much. I can now preach a sermon. Uh, no matter what you do, there'll be a future you. And that's been our, our, our point the whole time. So we've, we've talked about starting good habits. We've started, talked about uh, all these the little things that matter. I had giant dominoes on stage, and we knocked those down, and that was cool. Um, and so, uh, we, we've been going through those. But this morning, I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about breaking bad habits. So we have good habits. We have bad habits. Most of your life is just the sum of your habits or your routine, okay? So um, one author says it this way. You don't rise to the level of your potential. You fall to the level of your routine or your systems. Okay, and so we look at Jesus' model and kind of the theme verse we've been talking about is this one. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Now, that's just fascinating to me because I believe uh, that Jesus was God, right? And so you'd think he wouldn't have to grow at all, right? You know, other than becoming a baby. And, but but that, that, that the Son of God grew in wisdom, which means that maybe I might want to spend some time growing in wisdom, growing in stature, growing in favor with God and man. There's this there's process of, of you versus you, trying to become the person that God would have you to become. Or let me put it this way. Becoming the best Jesus that you can be. The, being Jesus to your house, being Jesus to your school, being Jesus to your work and your neighborhood. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our brains, and then uh, I'm going to go over actually uh, four things uh, to how to break a bad habit. They all come from the book Atomic Habits. It will include the Bible, because just a little side note. True, true, all truth is God's truth, right? So if... In, uh, in science or in research or whatever, there's 
pretty good chance the Bible will support that, okay? And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So why bad habits? Why, why, how do we get these bad habits? How do we, uh, why do we self-medicate? How, why do we, uh, my, my, I bite my fingernails. I've bit my fingernails since I was, I, I had teeth and I had fingernails, however long that was, so whatever that was. I've, I've tried a whole, whole bunch of times and, uh, to, to quit and different things, and I'd put nasty stuff on my fingers that it tastes bad, but then I got used to it, and I started putting it on, like, as a condiment on, like, my sandwiches and stuff. <laughs> I, that, didn't, that didn't work. I, started, I put, like, hot, like, Tabasco sauce on. Now, I, like, I put Tabasco sauce on everything. It's, like, it's like a terrible system. But, um, but really, the two, the, the two main things are stress and boredom. Now, you, under stress, we could say chaos. You know, if you, if you grew up in a chaotic environment or you're in a chaotic environment, oftentimes with that stress and that chaos, we will begin to start a bad habit. It will start off small usually, uh, and, and, and then it will become something that we can't control. And then the other is boredom. Your brain, uh, especially in the United States where we're just, we have so much uh, input, it craves dopamine, it craves endorphins. And so when you're bored, and you, you'll probably notice this too, if you're bored, you'll run and get some chips. <laughs> like I, or one will run and get some chips. Uh, not necessarily you, but I've heard of people who do that. Uh, like, like, it's me. But I, I might not even be hungry. But I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, well, there's nothing to do. Might as well get some chips, right? Because boredom uh, is, is, is and, and we can go to some other habits that uh, I, I know from lots of people I've met. When they're alone, that's when it's worse, okay? So stress and boredom. And what's odd is that we all have the same goals, right? We all have financial goals. Yours are probably just like mine. I don't think there's somebody in here, maybe you, maybe you are in here, uh, that says, you know what, my goal when I die, is to be in as much debt as I possibly can be in. Like, that's just my, that's just my goal. Just all my credit cards, Max. Actually, when you die, that wouldn't be too bad if you were dying, because then, you know, anyway. Uh, spiritual. We all, we all want to be closer to God, right? We, we all want to be closer to God. Relational. We all want healthy relationships. Kids, with our parents, our family, with our co-workers. And we all have physical, it's not, no one out of shape. No one wants to be tired all the time. I mean, we, we all have the same amount of goals, and yet, uh, and yet we get into these things that are th- the total antithesis of who we want to be. Why is that? So the question I want to ask this morning is, based on the person you want to become, what habit do you need to break? Is there a habit you need to break? Now, I realize that there are probably some people in this room that don't have a bad habit that they need to break, and that's awesome. Good for you. You made it. Um, um, but for the rest of us, is uh, the habit that we need to, to break. So ingrained in all of us is this. It's just our brains, the way our brains are hardwired. We're wired to conserve energy, so that is, results in laziness. Uh, to obtain food and water, that's just the lizard part of our brain, to find love and reproduce, to connect and bond with others, win social acceptance and approval, reduce uncertainty and achieve status and, and prestige. That's all in there. Now what's so cool, this is so neat, and this is, this is where these habits come from, is these basic desires that every human being has. But you know what's really cool? Jesus blows past every single one of them. 
Jesus didn't worry about conserving energy. As a matter of fact, as he, he, in his ministry, he'd be so busy, there were sometimes he didn't even have time to eat. In water, he says, um, my food is to do the will of my father. That's what he says. To find love and reproduce, he was single his whole life. He was with his heavenly father. With others, um, he, uh, he obviously did that just naturally. To win social acceptance and approval, he didn't care. <laughs> he didn't care what anyone thought. To reduce uncertainty, there is no uncertainty <laughs> with him. He's just like, yeah, I just do the will of the Father. If he tells me to speak, I speak. If he tells me to do something, I do it. To achieve status and prestige, he didn't care, although now he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what, what, what happens? Like, why do we get into these things? Well, I want to talk just a little bit about uh, a judge in Judges, Samson, and he's really famous because he's really strong. And if you're in, um, uh, if you're in Sunday school, um, you'll probably remember that Samson had a wife named Delilah, and Delilah tricked him. And I find it odd that the thing I remember about Samson is that his wife tricked him. I don't know why we're teaching little kids. Like, that's one of the points of the thing, but we do. Uh, and so Delilah uh, was a Philistine, and... Israelites were fighting the Philistines. Uh, it says this, that Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. He was a judge. He actually had taken a Nazarite vow to not cut his hair and to not drink alcohol, and there were some other things, and so uh, God showed favor on him. And, and then you get the very next verse. is Whenever the Bible slows down, you want to pay attention. And one of the ways the Bible slows down is what I call a one-day phrase. It's going along, going along, and then it just says, one day. When the Bible says one day, pay attention. Because everything had been moving up to this one day. And I will imagine that your bad habit started with a one day. One day, you took a drink. One day, you tasted chips. <laughs> One day, you got injured, and you were prescribed something. One day, you lived in a chaotic home and started biting your fingernails. One day, one day. This is what it says in Judges chapter 16. One day, well, one day what? One day, Samson went to Gaza. Okay, well, that's odd, because Samson's 25 miles away from Gaza, and Gaza is the headquarters of the Philistines. Why in the world would one day Samson decide, out of nowhere, to get up, walk, or ride on whatever, or do whatever, to go 25 miles to go to Gaza, where his enemies are, and his enemies didn't like him at this time, at all. They were trying to kill him. where he saw a prostitute. Oh, that's why he went to Gaza. Now, saw a prostitute, like, like on the street, or he just walked by and he could tell, or he was propositioned, because he is a judge, he's a man of God, after all, you know, what, what, what? oh, he went in to spend the night with her, <laughs> just so we're clear. One day, one decision, Samson became trapped. And as you read the story of Samson, and it ends great, I guess, 
a bunch of people die, which that's good. Um, he gets, he's in this temple and he pushes the pillars down. And if you see a children's book, you'll see him like this, you know. He has no eyes because they got gouged out. One day, Samson went to go see a prostitute and his life began to unravel. What I want to talk about uh, this morning is just some steps we can take to get back to before one day. You might have one day you found pornography on the internet and now you're stuck. We want to get you back to before one day. One day you got yourself in a mess and you're now addicted to unhealthy relationships because one day someone left you and we want to get you back to before one day. Because you're not your habit. You're, that's not your identity. What you're stuck in right now, whether it's eating, whatever, pick it up. You, you know what it is. I don't need to tell you. you that's not you. We want to get you back to before one day. Get you to where you're healthy again. This is what God wants for you. God wants for you to treat all those things we saw conserving energy, food and water, wants to love and reproduce, wants prestige and all that kind of stuff. He, he wants you to treat all that stuff like he treated it, with perspective. So, like I said, the things I'm going to give you are um, super practical. Uh, again, the four things come from the book Atomic Habits, but uh, it turns out that scripture speaks about every single one of them a lot. So the first thing is make it invisible. Whatever that thing is, if it's an eating issue, if it's whatever, you, you make it invisible. You try to, as best you can, get it out of your life. Make it invisible. I had a, uh, I went to an AA meeting um, for seminary, and um, I was supposed to just go and observe and not tell them that I was there for seminary, and not also, like, fake, like I had an addiction, but just to be there, observe, because the cool thing about AA or Celebrate Recovery or any of these recovery programs, they just accept you as you are. They just make a wonderful, it's like church should be. Um, and so, so like, if, like, I didn't talk. I, I just said, I'm, I don't want to talk. And nobody was like, what's wrong with you? You know, this is a meeting. We're all talking. They just, they were just quiet. And this one guy tells us, was telling a story. And, and, and people were chiming in, and they were talking, and they said, he said, uh, they were talking about this one, this one um, store. And he, and he said, no, I've never been there. He's like, well, where is it? And, and they said, well, it's, you know, down in like uh, Westminster in this area. And he's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll never go to that store. And I'm like, why not? He's like, I don't go into that area. I don't go into Westminster. And they're like, what? You don't, <laughs> you don't go into Westminster? Like every time, like if you had to drive, would you drive? You'd go around Westminster. Oh, yeah, I go around Westminster. Why? Because there's a street there. It's a big street. And I know if I go on that street, I'll turn right, no matter where I'm going. And after I turn right on this uh, other street, I'm going to turn left. And there's going to be a bar there. And I know that if I drive down that street with the bar, I'm going to go in that bar. And I know when I go in that bar, I'm going to play darts. And I know if I play darts, I'm going to order a drink. So I drive around Westminster. <laughs> you make it invisible. You make it invisible. Here's what Jesus said. Whoever can be trusted with very 
just a little tiny decision, a little tiny thing, can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We make these things invisible. We start with these small things. We talked about it a few weeks ago with the dominoes, these little tiny decisions that we're going to make. We got to get it out of our house. Sometimes things are big decisions. Sometimes it means to make it invisible, you got to cut the cable. Sometimes to make it invisible, you have a computer at work, but you don't have one at home. Sometimes to make it invisible, your spouse takes all your credit cards. Sometimes to make it invisible, you lose friendships. Because if we want to be faithful with just a little, we'll be faithful with much. I call it broken window theory. I didn't come up with that on my own. It's, a, it's an actual thing. Where you fix the little things in your life and the bigger things don't come. Sometimes I'll talk to men who struggle with pornography. And they'll say, how do I, how do I get, get, get out of pornography? And we'll talk about the biggest way next week. Not pornography, but whatever. Um, and uh, I said, well, you, you got to start with, don't just stop looking at women. Obje- don't objectify them like when they're in the store. Like, just start there. Like, train your mind to go, I'm a kind of person that doesn't objectify women. Okay? Or men or whatever. Whatever you're, whatever. Women struggle with stuff too. But whatever it is. So I, I'm going to become, I'm going to start with little I'm going to make it invisible. I'm going to take it out at the root uh, cause. Here's what uh, Proverbs says. Oh, the halt, by the way, is um, watching your triggers. We all have these triggers. So sometimes I'll find myself, uh, I, I, I get angry or uh, I want to run to something. Well, what the, usually there's a trigger there. There's something that, 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 that so, so, so as you guys all know, there's times in my life where I've struggled with anxiety. And so I have this computer bag. I take it with me all, all, all the time. And so um, I have to get in the habit of not having the computer bag in the kitchen or somewhere else because I'll walk in and I'll see it and that's a trigger and I'll start thinking about church and I'll start thinking about plumbing issues and I'll start thinking about uh, property issues and I'll start thinking about people issues and I'll start getting stressed out. It's a trigger. So I, keep, I should keep it in my office, in my, in my, in my house, okay? So, so this is, you got to watch out if you're hungry, if you're angry, uh, uh, if you're tired. I was almost going to say lazy, lonely. So, so hung, hungry, uh, angry, lonely, or tired. you got to watch out for those things because those, those can be triggers. That if you're tired, then you, 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 you might not have the motivation to do what you need to do. So you make it invisible. You look at those triggers. You watch, what, what is it that just set me off right there? Proverbs says this, do not set foot on the path of the wicked. Like, like literally, the Bible says, don't even do this. Don't even set your foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it and go your way. Your way is basically the way God would have you live your life. Make it invisible. Also says this in Zechariah, for who has despised the day of small things? Like, it's just these little things. I've decided I'm not going to go down that street. I've decided I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. I've decided I'm not going to go to those types of places anymore. 
the small little decisions to try to just make it invisible, get it out. If you're struggling with someone and you're around friends that engage in whatever that is, you gotta get rid of them. Make it invisible. Get it out of your life. Make it unattractive. Make it unattractive. My wife and I have this saying, uh, I think I've told you guys, it's called say it out loud. <laughs> idea. And, you know, you're mulling it through in your mind, but then when you say it out loud, it's like, you know, like, hey, honey, what if we uh, sold the house and we lived on a boat? You know, you're thinking about, that'd be cool to live on a boat. Oh, man, it'd be cool. And then you, you say it out loud. Honey, what if we sold the house and we lived on a boat? Okay, forget it. It's not good. Like, you can't, a lot of times you can't even finish the sentence because you've made it unattractive. You, you, you've brought light to it. You make it unattractive. One of the things about whatever habit you're at is that it's because it, it, there's something that happens in your mind that makes it attractive. And we have to switch that in our mind. Watch what it says in James. This is so cool. And this is what people don't like about the Bible. And it's what I love about the Bible. Because the Bible doesn't mince any words. The Bible doesn't say, you know, deep down you're a really good person and you're trying your best. And you know what? Jesus and the angels are fluttering all around and they're proud of you no matter what. Here's what the Bible says. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. It uses the word filth. Like grossness. Like, like you, like, that's gross. And the evil, and see, here's the problem we do as Americans or whatever, Westerners, we're like, well, I don't have any moral filth or, or evil. Evil, that's like, that's like witches and stuff like that. I don't do any of that. It's just anything outside of the will of God is moral filth and evil. You're like, wow, that's harsh. I know, make it unattractive. And humbly accept the word implanted in you. Watch, watch. This is why it says moral filth and evil can save you. That's the ultimate goal of the Lord. That's why he calls it moral filth and evil, because anything that you would do to self-destruct to him is evil and is filthy. Galatians says it this way, whoever sows to please their flesh, yikes, sows just means invests in. That's what you think about. That's what you invest. You don't sow until you've plowed, like you've purchased a field, you've plowed, gotten everything ready and then you sow from the flesh will reap destruction the, this is the result of our bad habits is destruction whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life and let me just tell you right now eternal life yes it's when you die congratulations but it starts now jesus prayed himself let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and so he's talking about make it unattractive. Sowing in the flesh is unattractive, but, but man, eternal life, life with the Spirit, that's, that's very attractive. So the Bible doesn't mess around. Here's what it says in Philippians. This is such a great section of Scripture if you want to go back and look at it. He says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. In other words, Find the people who are being successful in the thing you're not and do what they do. Hang around them. Let them know you're struggling. 
And we'll talk more about this next week. But make it unattractive. Make it like, come, like, like here's what he's saying. Again, I, this is what the Bible says. Don't get your value from comparison. Get your encouragement from comparison. Right, so I can look at somebody and go, man, they're so smart, and I'm not that smart, and oh man, I'm bad, bad, bad. Or I can go, wow, if I really put my mind to it, if I really take, take advantage of the things around me, if I really take advantage of my church community, and I really take advantage of what the Word has to say, and I really, like, like seek heaven, I, I, I can achieve that. He says, just as you have us as a model, uh, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I have often told you before and now tell you again with tears. Like, like this dude cares about this church. And the New American Standard says, and now even weeping. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And you think, wow. What does it take to be an enemy of the cross of Christ? Oh. Who are they? Is that a Republican? Like, what? How do we know? What? Is that a Democrat? Like, what is? I, like, that sounds really terrible to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. They must, they must not believe in God or something. That would be an enemy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and then it goes on. Their destiny is destruction. Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, if they're an enemy of the cross of Christ, of course that they're, they're going to be destroyed probably in hell or something. Because if you're an enemy of the cross of Christ, you, that, that's just bad. You, you can't do that. You shouldn't be an enemy of anything. And then he goes on, and you're like, oh, wait. Their God is their stomach. Huh? No, no, no. It should be another. God should be the devil because that's an enemy of the cross of Christ, a devil, certainly, or some false god, or whatever, with their god, is, and their glory is their shame. In other words, anytime I make myself God, I make myself the center of my universe, I become an enemy of the cross of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean I'm attacking the cross of Christ. It just means it, it's just the antithesis of what God would have for my life. That if my God becomes my stomach or my bank account or my physical or whatever, if it becomes something other than Jesus, then I'm headed for destruction, regardless of what it is. It could be some prideful thing about how many degrees I have or how much I know or how skilled I am as a musician. No offense, guys. Uh, like it could, it could be anything. Once that becomes my God, I become an enemy of the cross of Christ because I become my own salvation. And that's not what the cross is all about. So how do we know if my God's my stomach or my, my glory's my shame? Their mind is set on earthly things. <laughs> Shoot. I wanted it to be worshiping the devil because I don't do that. But my mind is set on earthly things. And so we have to make this unattractive. I have to understand, man, when I focus on those, when, I'm, when I have this habit that I think is attractive, I've got to really call it what it is. I'm becoming an enemy to the cross of Christ, and I don't want to be that. He goes on, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, you know why I like this verse? For those of you who are my age, who... Uh, described as a mild-mannered reporter, you know, like, like, it's just, it reminded me of Superman. I don't know. I, 
I'm like 12 years old. Okay. Who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform, listen, listen, this is really important, transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is not talking about heaven. It's transforming our lowly bodies. When we get to heaven, we won't have our lowly bodies. It's talking right now. That the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies as we begin to see what is really attractive and what is not attractive. He says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. So I, we're running out of time. You don't need to look up Mark 7, 20 through 21, uh, 20 through 23. It's really good. Okay, third one. Uh, make it difficult. Make it difficult. Make it difficult to do what you would normally do. Do you have a spending problem? Get rid of your credit cards. Pay cash for everything. Go to the ATM every time you need to buy something. But John, the ATM across to, yeah, I know. Take away your uh, you know, figure out something, whatever it is. Lock up the thing. Here, I'll give you an example. Let's, you got a, a thing with social media. Let's say you, you're addicted to social media, okay? Uh, have someone you love change your passwords every Monday morning on all your accounts, okay? So now you have all new passwords. And then on Friday evening, they'll give you back your passwords. So now you have them for the weekend if you want to look at social media over, over the weekend. There's all sorts of things like that. You, 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 there's th tools you can put on the internet, on your computer, on your phone. You make it difficult. You're watching too much television. Put the remote control in the trunk of your car when you're done watching t TV. You're like, but John, that's a pain. Yeah, it is. Well, what if it's raining? Well, then you're going to watch the TV wet. I mean, that's just the, the way it goes. Have your spouse hide stuff from you. Like, give them permission to hide things from you. And then you have to go ask them. Can I? <laughs> Whatever the thing is. Make it difficult. You say, well, John, that just sounds like psycho hocus pocus. Really? Well, then talk to Jesus about it because here's what he says. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. Wait, what? Wait. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. You'd say, oh, well, that's just when I die. Guess what? Your body doesn't go into hell when you die. Your body doesn't go into heaven. He's talking about your body going into hell now. Whatever you need to do, if there's something keeping you from a relationship with Jesus, a healthy relationship with Jesus, if there's something that's creating an environment in your life where you're becoming an enemy of the cross, an enemy that you're aggressive, but an enemy that you're missing out, on what the gospel has for you, get rid of it. It's better for you to not have a hand than to miss out on what Jesus would have for you on this earth and in the life to come. Well, that's just one thing. Oh, well, he goes on, just in case you didn't see it. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Man, this is hard and throw it from you wouldn't tearing it out just be enough like honestly like even if you had it in your pocket it's not going to make any difference but he says take it out get rid of that thing 
Throw it from you. It is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So we make it invisible. We make it unattractive. And we make it difficult. That thing you're going through in your life, that thing you want to get rid of, how do you make it difficult to participate in that again? How do you break that cycle? Then lastly, make it unsatisfying. And this is the most important one. So we're going to talk about it next week. (laughs) We're going to give it your full attention. I am so excited about next week, I can't even tell you. I've invited everyone in my gym to uh, next week. So uh, I don't know if any of them will be here, but uh, it'll be great.